you know, some people have very strong opinions about this ship or that ship, but really just go with your gut. If you want to do a thing, do a thing. Don't worry about it. Unless it's an Intrepid, don't waste your fucking time. Correct. <laughs> it rides like a Starbucks, has all the aerodynamics of a McDonald's. Honestly, maybe not even that good. <laughs> just fucking like a turtle with guns going across the map. Takes me like 60 seconds to go from one end of a system to the other. Somewhere down the line is uh, Star Trek Starfleet Academy series. That doesn't even sound attractive. I don't know, some some young cadets. There could be some attractive there. Dude, who is spamming your Discord? I have no idea. It doesn't show up when I'm in Discord. They want to talk to you about your car's extended warranty. I was just about to say that, you motherfucker. <laughs> A lazy Sunday episode of Trek Talk. I'm Techman16. I'm SK. And uh, Handy and Boom are LARPing. Anyways, not much going on today, and I've been uh, I've been away for about a week or so. So, uh, uh, what I miss? Well, you've got just some. Uh, since we got it recorded now, just some some housekeeping stuff. Uh, we're looking at changing our format slightly on one Tuesday a month for the ARC. So for one Tuesday a month, wherever, wherever that the ARC comes out, wherever that falls, that is going to end up being, in part, a recorded segment about the ARC itself for Star Trek Fleet Command. We are going to be doing a 20-30 minute segment on there. So it's not going to be the normal format. We're not going to have a bunch of people up on stage. We're going to discuss some things, maybe invite one or two people up to discuss it. And then we'll get back to our normal trash talk after we end that episode. And then one Sunday a month, we are going to be doing for our Trek Talk show, we're going to be covering the arc and what we learned, some things we liked, things we didn't, we didn't like, praise for Scopely, kick Scopely in the nuts, that kind of thing. So it's going to change the format a little bit. We're not going to have a bunch of people up here just bullshitting and saying whatever comes to their mind to listen to themselves talk. So just keep that in mind. I'm not sure exactly when we're going to start that. We might be starting it as early as this arc, at the end of this arc, to review what we've learned and the new officers and things like that and how they actually work rather than you know how they were intended to work and, and so forth. So obviously just keep an eye out for that. That's pretty much it. Oh, one more thing. You know, get your Get your friends here get people from your servers here please invite your folks to our discord server links to the discord and everywhere this podcast is posted and we need more interaction we want more interaction more people equals more topics equals more fun more discussion so all right now i'm done all right cool thanks thanks for that speaking of uh kicking scopely in the nuts what do you think about the cot thing uh which one were you talking about where there's no there was no fucking mat auction Oh, besides, well, yeah, besides the mat auction, it was like, uh, I remember seeing there's a 0.5% chance if you spend 16,000 ultra recruit tokens to a full unlock, but if not, it's usually for like four. I mean, so here's another thing that people aren't paying attention to. These strike teams are a way to drive you to buy more ships. And a lot of you are playing right into it like puppets. And, you know, uh, I did to an extent. I had, in my own defense, I had been looking at getting a 
uh, Katinga for some time now. I, I wanted a battleship. I've always been very public and and admitting that battleships are the best grinders. Um, there's no argument there. If you try to argue it, you need to go learn how to play the game again. So I've been wanting to get one, but the strike team made it even more enticing, right? So now I have a bigger battleship that I can use this PvP crew and I can go around and stomp people. One of the side effects of these new crews is that it's driving you all, most of you, a lot of you, to start going after ships that you otherwise wouldn't care about. Um, I've seen people in our game, in our alliance, they're now running around with Kelvins when they were always going, I'll never get a Kelvin, that's stupid, I'm just going to get a Pylum, and the Kelvin's stupid, and this, that, and the other. And next thing you know, you're, you're going out and spending hundreds of dollars, or all these mats, on getting these ships that they otherwise not, would not have gotten. Don't let some officers that you're going to use less than 10% of the time affect your overall gameplay. Because the PvP aspect is probably one of the smallest aspects of this game. The rest of it's mining, running missions, research and development, things like that, strategizing how you're going to spend your time and your mats and your RSS. So that's something, that's something that people haven't looked at. I mean, you've played right into their hands. You're, you're going after this thing that you're, let's be honest, you're not going to use as much as you think you are, and you've set your gameplay back, I don't know, probably months from blowing all these mats that you were saving up. Unless you're a spender. Unless you're a spender, but even then, guess what? You're still playing into their hand. Because now you're spending money on something you otherwise wouldn't have spent money on. And they're great crews, don't get me wrong. Uh, I have the Battleship Strike Team crew. That thing is ridiculous. I've seen the, the, the Goldie Cock crew. Um, a lot of damage. A lot of good stuff. But don't let something small like this, and it is, it is small, don't, don't kid yourself in the grand scheme of things. Don't let it affect your overall gameplay. You were saving those mats to go to ops, you know, 45 or 46 or whatever the case may be. Still do that. You know, there'll be plenty of opportunities for you to utilize that shit. Stop trying to keep up with the Joneses. So there's my little tidbit about it. I don't know if you've noticed that as well, Tech. You know, people all of a sudden getting ships that, you know, like people that were Romulans and then all of a sudden they get this battleship out of nowhere yeah i got this katinga really you said battleships were stupid and and people that are you know oh now i want to get the i want to get the uh the the kelvin or whatever because now i have this this strike team crew that i i got and it's just unless you were already going to get it don't let it affect your overall gameplay makes sense yeah i was going for the katinga because um because the strike team crew made it very appealing but it's a slow grind <laughs> slow grind for somebody who's ops 41 trying to get a katinga trying to grind it out as opposed to you know getting the rep up there um and uh spending spending all that time yeah i was uh you know it's funny i was uh i did see a lot of outrage about the you know the amount of money that you had to spend in order to get gold ducat it was kind of a, it was kind of ridiculous and yet people still do it <laughs> People still did it all the time complaining. Like, it just doesn't... It, it, it's, it's, it's really funny. In this game, more, way more so than any other game that I've ever been a part of, and I'm you know, pretty, pretty heavy into gaming at this point, this community is so unique. And I guess it's the addictive business model that they utilize. Because those of you that spend a bunch of money on the game, you're addicted to the game. So there, you don't argue it. I'm addicted to it. I'll freely admit it, but if you've spent a bunch of money on a game, you're addicted to the game. It's an addiction, like any other addiction. 
So cope, I guess. I don't know what to tell you. But it, one of the side effects of that model is people, you know, uh-oh, this person's more powerful than me. I got to spend more money. And that's all they're doing is exploiting it at every turn. And good for them. You know, capitalism wins again, right? Um, but they, they come out with this, this strike team crew. And they do it how they normally do with a more exclusive kind of crew where they're like, okay, well, we're going to make it, you know, kind of hard to get. And then they realize that, man, people were just going insane over this new crew. And they're like, ha, we got these fuckers now. When we come out with this interceptor crew, we're going to get them good. And you look what happened. How many people have spent six, $700 on this new gold Ducat? And that's just Ducat. That's not even the other two. Yeah. Well, the other, the other ones cost, what, 50 bucks to unlock? And then if you want to spend 100 um, I got Laon for free and I got Una for free just through saving up some stuff for some mats and the twos and fews that they give you here and there. I was able to get uh, Laon and Una, which are the, they're, they're the two best out of the, the three, right? So I'll do, I've, I have found that anybody using a full strike team crew, you, you dust them with Laon, Una and Charvenek every time, 10 out of 10. And it's also more effective for me to use either Marcus or or Kang as well, depending upon which ship I'm going against. But yeah, no, this crew is obviously more difficult to get, and that's there, there's no it's no surprise to me because of how wildly popular the other crew was. Because you look at look at the past when they've offered officers. If they offer an officer that's not very popular and you know people don't really take to it, all of a sudden, as if by magic, it becomes much easier to source. But if people make a huge deal about it, um, then it becomes like rarefied air. Like, look at Harrison. They always know which officers are going to be a big deal and which ones aren't. Well, some, yeah, well, sometimes they kind of overhype some, and I think that they think that it was going to be a little more popular than it was, but... You see, as they, it's active feedback, right? Where are people spending their money? Where are the dollars going? Where's the effort going? Okay, in the future, we'll figure out how to monetize that better. Or nobody gives a shit about this, so we're not going to worry too much about that. We'll go ahead and let them source it a little bit easier. And it makes sense. It's not like it's a, oh my God, it's so shocking. It, it just makes sense. Whatever's going to make the most money, that's what you're going to exploit. So that's that's what's happened here. And I think that, because they received such a huge amount of backlash about it, they'll probably make it a tad bit easier for the Explorer Strike Team crew, but I would not hold your breath. Go ahead, Slot. How's it going, man? Hey, guys. Morning. Happy Sunday. So I had a question exactly about that. So I have to say, um, just like you mentioned, I was, I'm was i about a, an SLB away from uh, going to 46, still picking up some more shards for my, for the next, for my rear uh, ship. I've been between the, you know, between the explorer or the, or between an interceptor and the and a battleship, and my first hunch was let's go for the battleship because they came out with the strike team for the battleship first. Um, but I think that now more uh, a more dominant approach is the the solo armadas. So what's your take on the solo armada? What would be if I was just thinking about solo armadas? What would be the best forty six ship to go after? I would argue that it would probably be either the Newton or the Pylum. For the Pylum, you're going to get metric shit ton of crit shots, right? And then with the Newton, you're going to get the staying power that a battleship is associated with. Right. So, I mean, a Pylum is great all around. We've seen that the Pylum, 
overall because you, you don't just look at that look at how else that ship is going to benefit you as well right because that is such a small it is such a, a a small portion of your overall gameplay so if i'm looking at what ship is going to be the best um i may have one thing in particular that i'm really excited about like okay i get the pylum then i can use the new crit crew which means i'll be much better in pvp okay that's one aspect well, then my pylum will also be good if I crew it correctly to throw a bunch of crit shots at an armada. Well, there's another aspect. And then another thing is, is that the pylum is uh, a, a fair decent grinder, especially if you're grinding something that requires, you're grinding something like the Gem Hadar or something like that, because the ship's ability increases the loot that you get from that. So all around, it's a good ship. So I would, I would look at that a little bit more um, when you're deciding instead of kind of going after the one trick pony. You know what I mean? Quick question, just one in terms of the, as a kind of free to play. Uh, I mean, I only go for battle passes, but other than that, I consider myself more like a very light spender. So, uh, Matt, you know, between research and buildings and and the ships and and, and all that, what would you say? Which one of them would less compete uh, at, at for for an ops forty six? Which ones would compete less on mats with all the rest of the research that you want to do? I have found that competing research is generally for research is explorers because every fucking research takes gas. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, there's plenty of them that take crystal and ore, of course, but for the most part, anything that has to do with like officer stat improvements, um, things like that, it's all, it's all gas. So anything where you're doing in an explorer, you're directly competing. And that's one of the reasons, that's one of the difficult things that I found with my first ship being a Valdor was that I noticed it was immediately apparent that, damn, this shit competes with everything. It competes with your, the guns. It competes with a lot of your buildings, a lot of your research. And so it gets really frustrating when you have, well, I've got 20,000 gas. I can upgrade my ship or I can do a bunch of research or I can upgrade like three or four buildings. I was just yeah. talking about that last yeah, we were. Yeah, we were. We were. We were um, we, yeah, we were talking about that. And so, explorers are great ships because of the amount of officers that work well on explorers. But for longevity, and especially if you're limited on time, money, both of those things are equally as important in this game. Then I would definitely go with something that's going to compete a lot less, and that would pro that's going to end up being. For the most part, it's going to be a battleship because a battleship is going to be what crystal and crystal or and crystal. Crystal yeah. is not as heavy in your research as anything else. Just like ore, the problem is if you go with a pylum, you're doing crystal and gas, so you're going to be competing to an extent. However, just food for thought and five star, it doesn't even matter. They're not giving you any mats in any way, shape, or form, so you're just screwed regardless of what you do. Mm. All right, so just just for edification, right? A pillum has a seven three firing pattern with four kinetic shots and three energy shots. Look at what officers enhance your kinetic shot ability. So you're really looking for like a Lorca Killy combo, right? When you're using it, a Newton, you know, your battleship has a ah, oh, jeez, it's got a six three six three firing pattern. And it's got six energy shots, and the next round's got three kinetic shots, six energy shots, three kinetic shots. And then your Coronar, which is a great ship, but it's going to compete with everything. It's an explorer, 
has a god that's a really weird firing pattern he's got a five four two seven two four five four two seven four two firing pattern so that's that's a really weird firing pattern and it's got five uh energy shots and it's got two energy two kinetic just two energy five kinetic two energy like it's so it's just i mean you gotta you gotta think about that when you're looking at a ship right what ship is going to benefit you the most right so if you're looking at if you're looking at them the Pylum is actually probably um, the the most consistent with its firing pattern. If you're looking at firing pattern, you can't look. Battleships have staying power. Yes, battleships can hang in the fight longer than anything. You can hit battleships hard as shit. When we were, I was PVPing with a pylum. When I did, when I actually beat that pylum with my fucking auger, when we were doing incursions. There, I was PvPing, and that thing was hitting me so hard. But because of the amount of hull health that that battleship, the amount of armor that that thing has, that's how I was able to stay in the fight a long time to get my Laon ramped up to where I was firing off 16, 17 shots by the end of the, by the, end of the battle. That's something you consider. Also, what I've been doing lately is, in my ops level, because you need staying power to grind more ships, right? So for every battleship, yes. everything that I do is all about hull research, adding hull health, adding extra hull, whatever, just just to get that uh, up there because most of your game is grinding, right? So, yep. like, a lot of it, unless I have to do explore or intercept a research, um, I, like, I don't do it. It's like, everything is geared towards, like, the battleships. In my personal opinion, and it's going to be the opinion of a lot of people too, for overall gameplay, especially balling on a budget, battleships are always your best choice because you're going to be grinding more than anything else. You're going to be blowing up hostiles. Every mission, almost every, you know, every other event, if not you know, 75% of the events, are killing shit. So you're going to want something that's going to last a long time that versus repair cost like for like for example my katinga that i just got i got it up to tier five that thing grinds better by leaps and bounds than my valdor and it also costs less to repair so i can kill 150 percent more ships while also having to repair it less which means less Tritanium that I'm spending and things like that. Why is it? Why is it costing less to repair? Do you have uh, like up, upgraded research? No, it's just a lower tier. Oh, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Right, so it's a lower tier. So, like for example, my Valdor, because the research is equal on faction research, explorer, battleship, all that stuff. My research is equal, but just because of the the higher tier that I have, because mine's close to tier seven, I got like one or two more guns to upgrade on my Valdor from full death. It costs 140 million Tritanium to repair that. For my Katinga, it's less than 85 million. So it's, it's pretty significant. And that Katinga can grind longer than that Valdor can for anything. I can kill, I'll put it to you this way. I can kill more Interceptors in my Katinga than I can with my fucking Valdor. Right, because of the hull health? I guess yes. it, it depends on the crew, right? If you're running... Well, everything depends on the crew, right? That's that's a moot point. But yeah, if I'm running PMT on both ships, my Katinga can kill more than my Valdor. Oh, absolutely. 
Absolutely. I think all of those, um, all of those were my considerations when uh, I started a couple months ago to go after the the Newton. Um, plus, I kind of missed uh, the battleships um, since G three. I haven't pursued with the Valdor, and it's all been explorers, explorers, explorers for for months now, and I kind of miss battleships. I don't know why. <laughs> you miss not having to repair as often. <laughs> Maybe just their slowness. I don't know. <laughs> I just think it's it's a general trend, right? Because in G four land, you know how everybody is in G three land was always all about the the Federation and you know the Enterprise, and it's super overpowered for for G three status. But in in G four land, the Federation gets outclassed by the Romulans at every stage. You know, the the Kelvin, an interceptor, Romulans Valdor. The the Newton is a battleship. The Pilum is a interceptor. The the Enterprise A is an explorer. The Tribune is a battleship. So, uh, like head to head, Romulans are going to win out in the G four realm because of the battle triangle. But now with the amount of game plan that you have to do and all these new crews and all these specialties, it's like, oh, okay, well, maybe Roms aren't the best to pursue after all just because of the of what you got to do in game all day in the pvp thing in the pvp scene yeah you're right there's why that's one of the reasons why i went with the romulans is because i noticed everybody was fanboying the federation right every every tom dick and harry uh jane and sally was like i want to get the enterprise i want to get the enterprise and i was like well hmm let's carry that over to g4 i want the battle triangle on that um but then i quickly learned that battleships are the way to go. Um, and I sort of kind of knew that when I got the Bordis. The Bordis was, I mean, it was just ridiculous with a, with a, a full-on PMC crew with maxed out Chen and Moreau. That, I was just grinding all day. I'd get sick of grinding. I think Boom was talking about it. We had a conversation the other night where you'd be grinding so long that you would just end up recalling the ship because you just got sick of grinding. It wouldn't even blow up. <laughs> yep, that's what I miss about the battleship. The, the other thing, too, is, I mean, in G4, they tried to rebalance it later, but especially initially, the Tribune ship ability is just hands, uh, it's just way above the power of, of the other two. Um, all those extra shots, it, it wasn't even close. Yeah, I mean, there, there's a lot to consider, and every ship has its strengths, but I overall for general gameplay and grinding the battleship's going to win out every every time it just has the staying power and let's be honest the newton is a great redemption for that shitty ass intrepid do people still use intrepids uh i've seen a few for low levels running around one thing i uh focused on in uh through progression through the 40s was uh a lot of people use the jelly as a stepping stone, right? There's lots of research. There's extra sourcing for ship components. There's lots of things that help you through that as you go. And all those things remain throughout the game through your leveling. And if you if you build another if you build other explorers as you're there's these events designed to help you with the jelly. You can use those and ship them over to helping you build up your explorers. So 
Parabellum and uh, and Jelly Brawl. Love those. Yeah, I mean, I use those things to help me level up my explorers, and you know, it works, especially for like a more free to play kind of person. I could see where something like that would be pretty beneficial. So, you know, for some of you out there, there's there's no wrong answer when choosing ship. You know, some people have very strong opinions about this ship or that ship, but really just go with your gut. If you want to do a thing, do a thing. Don't worry about it. Unless it's an intrepid, don't waste your fucking time. Correct. (laughs) (laughs) Well, even an intrepid ain't that bad. You know what's funny? I think back, I can't think of a single time I ever lost in PvP to an intrepid. I mean, I used to beat people with mine, but... We're talking a long time ago. You, sh- you shouldn't lose to an Intrepid, regardless of what ship you're using. Its firing pattern is so broken for PvP that it'll get taken out by a Saladin. It'll, 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 it'll throw rocks for a couple rounds before it starts firing anything considerable. Which is why so many people use Pilot, because of the great firing pattern. Or even better, a Tribune. Tribune. Those are fun, too. The Tribune's like the Super Saiyans of ships. Like, let's be honest here. Even after rebalancing stuff, I will take my Tribune at like 40 million power and chew apart the 60 million, the other G4s. It's just, it's not even close. You're talking with PvP? Yeah, yeah. Strike team? Well before the strike team, just its shipability in general, it ramps up so fast. Like they they made a genuine mistake. Like it it was absolutely overpowered. It's still somewhat overpowered. Um, I think they they nerfed it too far going the other way on the G five on the Dederics, but the Tribune was it was way too strong of an ability. Uh, so yeah, no, I like. I go and, and I chew up other G4 epics. Oh, you probably chewing up G5 Uncommons, too. Yeah. I've watched that happen without the G5 Uncommon getting debuffed. Yeah, no, I, I can, with a tri- my Tribune, I can take out a, a Corvus about double my power. And that was before the Strike Team. I, I haven't tried anything with the Strike Team yet, but we'll see. I mean, if you put the strike theme on there, your disruptor cannons just turn into, like, Gatling guns at that point. I mean, they basically already are with that ship ability. It's, it's, it's nuts. At this point, it's just accuracy by volume. What is it, like 30 shots around that you get with the Trib? You got strike team on it? Uh, when I have strike team, the only time I got to hit anything that lasted into the third round. The third round I had I think it was 33 or 37 shots, but it's been a while. The the problem with the Tribune is I've not bought cloaking for it, and people see it and just run away. (laughs) Yeah, it it rides like a Starbucks, has all the aerodynamics of a McDonald's. Honestly, maybe not even that good. It is so slow. I, I did I did notice that when I got this Katinga because I you know done my impulse research and everything like that. So my Valdor is like over a hundred impulse. And when I got the Katinga, I was like, this fucking ship is so goddamn slow. Like <laughs> just fucking 
like a turtle with guns going across the map. It takes me like 60 seconds to go from one end of a system to the other. It just, it reminds me of, you know, showing my age, that, that Austin Powers scene where, where he's on the steamroller trying to wave the guy out of the way and, and the guy just sits there <laughs> for like 20. That's, that's kind of the speed of attack you have. Yeah. Yeah. If you can shift slightly to one side, you can avoid it. That reminds me of that family guy scene. It's all right. I got some sweet maneuvers. Wait, is that it? Just, just rolling lazily to the left. Like, well, well, we're not in the same, not in the same spot that we were before. And on the other ship, they're like, Oh my God, where'd he go? He's over there drifting lazily to the left. Wow. That guy knows some sweet maneuvers. Yeah. 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 Battle battleship PVP is it. You either have to cloak or they, they want to fight you. Otherwise, they'll leave. Or you just get avoided. Like, uh, there's this one level 39 dude that's got a max auger in my bracket. He's got full strike team, like, you know, as far max as it can go, and all his research is max. And he just leaves the ship in the middle of the system during the, during the PvP events. And unless he's online, most people just avoid it. <laughs> people have talked about putting speed crews on battleships, and it's just like, it's just like putting Nikes on a turtle. Like I guess it's not going to go that much faster. You can kind of get it up to an okay speed, but then you've lost, you know, like you put a speed crew on a Tribune, you're not causing the other opponent to burn, and now what's the point? If you try to mix and match to make it happen, then yeah, you're still not really catching anyone. You're just back at a less laughable speed. I guess I guess you could always use Curon. Yeah, that that would really be about it. And yeah, this forty percent would boost you from what eighty five to oh god, that's too early for math. One one something. There you go. You'd be yeah. You'd be as fast as a G three epic um, as the D four without research. Hey, curious. So, what's everybody's take on Hammer? With this SLB, I've heard good things, but I think Boom and Handy would probably know better since they're up there where PMC doesn't work. Yeah, Hemmer is awesome if you can get him and you actually care about rep grinding. Yeah, Hemmer and fucking pace. Yeah, I haven't gotten him yet. It's been a whole. Th- I will get him with with this uh, SLB because I only need to place in like the top 10, which will not be that hard. So I'll finally unlock him. But uh, it's the other people that have him have, have sung his praises. And really the, just that general idea of he works against the transports and transports are far and away the best for grinding rep. And just like I can take, you know, my sanctus, whatever. And, and whereas if I was going to farm with a traditional G5 farming crew, I'd probably be hitting 55s, 54s is, is what I normally do. Um, I go to Teradasia and do that. But but if I can grind the, um, the transports, then I can go and hit up to like the 57s and Kurthon, things like that, without it being a significant detriment. Here's the deal with Hemmer. He only works, just like the regular SNW crew, he only works if you're grinding the ships that are around your level. Like If you try to put him as a secondary grinding crew against capital system traders, you're going to die. It, it's, even if you have a max, you're going to die. 
work fine for me. It, well, it, again, it also depends on what tier you. Well, if you, it depends. It also depends on what tier you have him, because I noticed that it was that way when I had the SNW crew at the base five hundred or whatever, and then I got up to eight hundred. Once you get up to tier three and tier four on the SNW crew, you can punch up quite a bit. Now, it's still not going to be as effective as a PMC crew for the most part um, until you really get them like maxed out. But it's 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 good enough where I would say you could still punch up. That's where you need to start doing all your debuffs every day and all that stuff with your Mantis to get those get those uh, officers up there. And you can definitely punch up. I do it almost daily. Also, another thing to remember real quick, in your territory research tree, there is a research for increased damage against hostiles. Max that shit out as high as it goes. It makes a huge difference. I'm just saying for the level that you're at. Like, for example, if I were to be grinding regular level 49s, 50s, and 51s, not the capital system raiders, then Hammer would be a lot more effective. But there's just something about the capital systems where it's not going to work very well. You're, you're punching up ridiculously to begin with because you're, you're, what is your auger? Like 5 million, 5.5 or something? Yeah, 5.5. Yeah, so 5.5 versus a 22 million transport. I mean, at some point, numbers do mean something still in this game. So, yeah, you're not going to... It's going to be pretty pretty difficult there. But, like, like I mean, by and large, though, the, the crew is, is great. And the beauty of it is you don't need to use three specific officers for the regular crews with him or obviously you're going to want to use max synergy to get to get that up there because that's another thing that you that don't forget hemmer's ship killing ability is his captain's ability not his officer's ability so if you put him on the bridge you can get synergy to bump those numbers up even higher and i don't know what the percentages are i don't have hemmer yet but that's another thing that's what's gonna you're gonna be allowed to hit transports higher level transports more than you would be able to hit the other normal warships that you could kill like the explorers and so forth because you can also add synergy it's not as it's not as captain's ability he actually has one of those unfit to lead things so he has oh no it's not his captain's ability so it is an officer ability yeah as an officer ability and a lower deck ability he has no captain's ability what's his lower deck ability that's right i remember that now what's his lower deck ability he increases officer health by 70% that's his lower deck ability. Okay, so yeah, so that, that's right. I do remember that now. I remember looking at that, the unfit to lead. Um, so either way, you still can use, like, Boom is up there. He would still be able to use, you know, another officer. So he'd be able to use, like, you know, Pike, whoever, and then he could use a third officer, Marcus, or yeah. whoever. I don't know, whatever works at that level to give you an even more, even bigger edge. Actually, he works better if... Um... If you're grinding um, systems where you got both uh, ships types, like you got surveys and your battle triangle ship, like for example, if you're running a, a battleship crew and you're going to a system that's got traders and explorers, so if you put S and W Pike, Ortegas, and Hemmer, then you get full synergy and you can hit both ship types. Or than you would when it, when you're only using it to grind a specific type. 
and you could run you can run your your other PMC or PMT crew on your other ship and hit the other types. Definitely benefits to it, and that's I, it. It makes sense why Hammer is is so popular, and people really want to get him. I I have yet to get him. I have every one of the other every one of the others. I have up to like tier three. I think one of them's at like tier four. But I think the one I have at tier four is Uhura, and I don't have any interceptors except a D four, so that's pretty much useless. I use Uhura for grinding uh, probes, probe, board probes, yeah. Yeah, that's the only thing that I do. That's the only thing I use her for. I use um, Pike, Ahura, and then Borg, Jayla. I use, oh, yeah, yeah. So I use... Yeah, um, so that crew, the, the SNW crew with um, SNW, Pike, Uhura, and Hemmer is like the only times I've ever gotten a full load on my... Uh, on my... Vidar with full nano pros. Dude, who is spamming your Discord? I have no idea. The thing is going off. You can hear that? That's that's wild. Fuck yeah. Yep. Play DJs. <laughs> oh, a, I I have no idea. Jeez. It doesn't sh- it doesn't show up when I'm in Discord. They want to talk to you about your car's extended warranty. I was just about to say that, you motherfucker. <laughs> I was just about to say that shit, man. I wish I wish that would have been a thing um, years ago, because I would have I would have loved to like arrest a drunk person and be like, am I going to jail? No, nah, man, we want to bring you down here to talk to you about your car's extended warranty. <laughs> uh... People still ask that question. I don't know who needs, who needs to hear this, but if you're placed in handcuffs in the back of a patrol car, you're going to jail. Oh, I don't know who needs to hear that. Not always. In your, in your vast experience of being in handcuffs? You're going to jail, or you're going to go have a great time with someone. Well, you better, you better hope it's a she. I mean, I'm assuming consensual and everything, so either... You're a man and it's a she, or you're a woman and it's a he, or if you're gay, it's what you know. It's, it's whoever you hope it is. I don't. I don't think the phrase we've gone down this far enough. Yeah, I don't think the phrase "get handcuffed and put in the back of a police car" usually leads to anything other than jail. I plead the fifth. Right. Okay. Moving. Moving back to Hammer here. <laughs> Fucking weirdos. Anyways, Hammer, uh yeah. He, he's he's great. He's a he's a great addition if if you don't try and punch up unless you try and max him. Other than that, he's not that great. Again, for G five he's in, incredible. For for grinding rep you want to hit the the traders and there's just there's no better in g4 and stuff you can use pmc so it's much less significant but g5 is a big deal uh tech you you pay attention more than i do to current uh star trek shows and things like that that are coming out and previews and the knowledge and what's going to be in these seasons I haven't heard you talk about it much. I might not have been here, but 
What do you think about the new trailers for P- the new Picard? Are you excited to see? Uh, fuck, what's his name, dude? It's on the tip of my goddamn tongue. The fucking no, the holodeck got. Oh, the, Moriarty. Moriarty. Um, I I wasn't I wasn't all that big. That that episode was good, but it really wasn't all that big of a deal to me. So people freaking out about it. I'm just kind of like, oh, that's cool. He was part of two episodes, if I remember correctly. Yes, he was. And the second one, he kind of took over the Enterprise from the holodeck, which yeah. which leads me to believe that every single system on every single ship is interconnected somehow. Because how else can you take over a ship from the holodeck? Or engineering, or the battle bridge, or a relay station somewhere. You know, like, <laughs> it's just like every po- lazy writing, every potential system is not isolated you know in its own right but you know whatever um i thought the trailer was intriguing um in a sense that i enjoyed the playful banter between Worf and riker where uh Worf is like i'm a pacifist now and riker's like oh my god we're gonna die uh, <laughs> which i thought was hilarious um and i hope I hope that is not the only quip they have in the show or in the season because that would be sad and awful. Um, they got lore too, right? They got lore. And he's, I don't know, it looks like he's teaming up with Moriarty somehow. It's, uh, I don't know, wasn't too excited, honestly. It was, I was, I, I, frankly, I was more excited to see Worf back than anything because that dude looked like he didn't age at all. Yeah, they just put some. They just put some fucking. Uh, well, it's the prosthetics that help, obviously, right? But also, I'm I'm going to be interested to see the reaction, just like we all reacted to Brent Spiner doing Data, where he looked like the thing that ate Data. I, I like I, I, how is like oh my god, we're being chased by a middle aged fat android. Uh, whatever are we going to do? You know, Lore ate Data pretty much. <laughs> I'm just that's how Data died. Um, and uh, you know, and, and here's the here's the thing, man. No, I'm not fucking fat shaming anybody. I don't care. Look how you want to look. If you're okay with that, that's fine. But what I'm saying is, in the show, it's an android that doesn't, you know, store fat from food and drink sources. So it's it's just weird. It's it's like it disrupts that whole continuity in my mind. Like this is a robot, and this robot should look the same no matter how long. But this robot has wrinkles. The fuck is going on here? They'll probably have some kind of in-universe explanation, like why Q is older, because you know he's dying, right? And then I was like, oh, do you think maybe since it's since it's new Star Trek, maybe they'll figure out how to like somebody will make a comment about how he looks different, and somebody will be like, you shouldn't fat shame people or body shame or something. You know, they'll probably try to squeeze that in there. I think what they're gonna do is they're gonna uh, do something like they did with Data's mother. You know that episode that I'm talking about with Data's mother where, you know, she was yeah. an android and she was fixed in a way where she ages like she's in, she's supposed to age and then she's going to die. Well, that's what they did with Picard, right? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's now a synth because he died. So they just transferred him to a synthetic body. Whoever, whoever, whoever has been writing this recently has been playing a lot of Fallout 4. I mean, I could I could go into a, a long rant about the whole transferring of a human consciousness and how 
I don't think even even with 500 years more of technological advancements, we're really going to know how a human brain functions, let alone how to transfer that to a uh, to another host, if you will, for immortality's sake. I don't think that's just going to happen. But anyways, getting back to the trailer, um, like I said, I was more excited for Worf. Not so much excited for Moriarty. Not so much excited for Lore. I just, it's, it's, and then I don't, like, who do they get as the villain? It feels like, uh, that, that villain looks like the goofy guy from all those Adam Sandler movies, but it's a woman. <laughs> yeah, it's, it is a little, it is. You know what I'm talking yeah, about? Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, it makes sense. It's. You know, and are, are these supposed to be the bad guys that came through the trans warp thing, or you know, whatever it was? Like you're expecting something. You're expecting something that the Borg fears, and then here's some Romulan-looking, angry, skinny chick with a with a ship that looks like she stole the design from the Kelvin timeline. Uh, it's it looks like. Here it is. The guy's name is Steve Buscemi. She looks like Steve Buscemi, and it's like so. So if you here's my here's my sort of idea behind it, and I, I've given it a bit of thought. So if you know that in the Kelvin timeline doesn't start until Spock and the Narada go through the black hole, so the Narada at one point was it, it originated in the normal timeline, right? Like the prime timeline. So the Narada was a experiment of incorporating Borg technology with Romulan technology. So I would imagine, given the way that the, the lady looks and the, the other people look and the look of the ship, that that's gonna, that technology will come from that same sort of whatever the Narada had with the Borg technology, which is why the weapon systems are so superior. Nobody can counteract those weapon systems. They're just way overpowered. So I'm, I would surmise that it's going to have something to do with her also being butthurt that Romulus got destroyed. And that's probably going to be where it comes from. It's the only thing that I can think of. You're, you're saying that you're saying the Narada had a strike team crew on it. Well, it definitely had a burning crew. <laughs> Yeah, that only sets your ship on fire after the battle, because Nero's broken. Um, but yeah, that's the only thing that I can think of is that it's going to be because you have to look at it. It's a transwarp conduit, and the Borg are like, "Yo, we didn't create that shit." Well, who else has Borg technology? It would be the Romulans that were incorporating that Borg technology into their own. So this transwarp conduit could very well be part of that and it's just some angry woman who's butthurt that Picard didn't save the people or whatever the you know whatever the case may be because all the timelines do tie in together they're not completely independent there is a divergence so before that the, anyway it seems like that's what they're exploring and it seems like that's what they're doing because there's no other explanation for who could create a transwarp conduit uh, somebody with Borg technology ah well, who has Borg technology the Borg they didn't create it who else does uh the Romulans and they spent the whole first season where the Romulans have the Borg cube and they're doing all the research and stuff like that. So I'm, I'm pretty confident that that's what it's going to be. I'm, like I said, I'm still not very excited about it. So I'm going to even finish season two. I'll be honest. I, I couldn't, I couldn't take it. 
I, I did. And I will tell you that the last episode for me made having to sit through the other bullshit worth it. It was very good. And I think they ended it very well, which is fucking super high praise for me. Um, considering my relationship with newer Trek. So I, I am interested to see this season because they ended the other one on a really good note. It brought a lot of things full circle and it sealed up a lot of things and, and provided a lot of closure for a lot of, a lot of different avenues in a really good way. So I, I'm not even mad at how any of that ended or how everything came together. Uh, I think they did a really good job with it. So I will say that I am excited for this season, whereas you know, I was not excited for season two. I had to watch some of these closing scenes with uh, with the season two of Picard, and I was just like, like all I could think about is like, yeah, sure, just just fucking throw the timeline like at the window. Like, who cares that Rios is in the past now, and and Gerardi is the the Borg queen again? Like, and she was on the bridge at the beginning, so she technically met herself. Like, well, whatever, it doesn't matter. <laughs> just throw it out the window. So it that that is a pet peeve of mine is when you do a timeline of a uh, you know kind of a, a, a time travel parallel universe kind of timeline. You know, at some point it has to make sense when it when it's all back together. I will say, just finish it in its entirety. I know it sucks having to sit through three episodes of a little boy running through a fucking dungeon with really shitty camera angles, <laughs> but it's. It's 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 all right. You know, I sat through it and I forced myself to sit through it. And I will say it was worth it to in the last episode. It was worth it for me personally. So other people may think it was fucking stupid, but I, I did enjoy it. I thought it was really good. And I am excited for this new season to see what they're going to do with it. I'll temper your excitement, man, because like I've, we've been disappointed before. Look, look, man, like, like. I, I don't have much that I'm excited for. Like I, I get lower decks and I get strange new worlds, you know, strange lower decks is not really something that I get super excited about. It's something that I do enjoy watching and it's, it's funny and it's cool and it's something a little different, but it's not what I'm actually like after it's like the appetizer that you get before your meal. Like, yeah, I go to Red Robin. I want this big ass juicy burger. These onion rings with this dip, like that's okay. That's not bad, but I really want the burger. And so <clears throat> that's why I'm I'm kind of maybe it's a little misplaced, but we'll we'll see what happens. And and the Orville's I'm still haunted by the the exocomp bird made in from lower decks. So that's that was that was hilarious, man. I'm not I was dying laughing like you're a machine. Like we'll make it work. He's like, <laughs> like yeah, yeah. Making, <laughs> noises and, <laughs> and I'm like, the only thing I can think of is like this bird man stuck his dick in the exocomp tube or something. Like that's like how did that happen? <laughs> I mean, you know, imagine since she's like in the in the, the county lockup there, right? Like imagine the poor fucking the poor enlisted bastard or the ensign that's going to have to clean dried chicken jizz out of the exocomp to get it ready for service again or something. Good God. Yeah, that's stuck in your brain now. You're welcome. Yeah, thanks. No, <laughs> oh, Jesus. Moving on from chicken jizz. Yeah. You're all thinking about it right now. What else do we think about on the show? <laughs> yeah, seriously, what else? What else do we think about on the show? 
Uh, I don't know, man. That's that's pretty much it. Uh, when is uh, I know uh, the Picard comes out with it February, I think, right? Yeah, we got about four months before it comes out. Yeah, we got four months. So what what else is next? Because we just had we just had lower decks, and that's pretty close to being over. I saw an article about uh, Section Thirty One actually being in development now. That'd be that'd be that'd be interesting. Um, Giorgio's character was really really good. So the the main section 31 bad guy was kind of shitty so i mean hopefully they have more names and more people involved in that because he, he wasn't all that great um and he's like jazz music he just sort of fades into the background i i mean i would be interested in seeing that although section 31 was never really a big deal for me i'd be more interested if they had like the tal shiar or something like that um which i'm sure will come to play in that at some point but I, I would I would still be interested if they did a Star Trek when it and it's focused on a different race other than the fucking Federation. Like you could have interactions with the Federation, but like some of the most popular Star Trek books are the ones about like specifically about the Klingons or specifically about the Romulans. Those are some of the most uh, popular ones. I mean, they they brought back the Rihansu series because it was so popular, even after they had proceeded forward with how the Romulans are now. And they were like, they even put like the, like the forward in the book. They're like, hey, look, we know that in the in the in the, the you know the timeline that the, the Romulans have been written differently and they do different things. But because this book series was so popular, we we brought it back. So apparently, on the twenty seventh, we got part two of Star Trek Prodigy. So the the back half okay. of the uh, six episodes is coming back. Uh, February is Picard. Somewhere in 2023, we're going to get Discovery Season 5. I know everybody's really excited about that. Looks like Section 31 is in development. And then somewhere down the line is uh, Star Trek Starfleet Academy series. That doesn't even sound attractive. I don't know. Some some young cadets. There could be some attractive there. Yeah, okay. They're really just leaning into the Star Trek IP. I'm trying to find something that sticks. They're taking notes from star wars look at all the shit they did that was wildly popular they're trying to get in on it so i read an article a couple days ago regarding uh, the scrapped star trek 4 movie plans that that they had and it apparently was supposed to be a reunion between uh, chris pine and chris hemsworth uh george kirk and jim kirk and the premise was that George Kirk was trying to beam himself onto the shuttle with his wife and son, but his transport pattern got stuck and some sort of new enemy was supposed to come out and they had to recover the Kelvin. And they noticed that his, that George Kirk's transporter uh, pattern was stuck in the pattern buffer. And so they transported him onto the Enterprise and no time had passed. And so you'd have George Kirk and Jim Kirk working together as father and son on a starship to save the universe. And and I'm like, good lord, that is, would have been so boring. Glad they scrapped it. I would have I would have I would have thought it would, it would have been boring as hell, but Andy Boob, you got anything? Uh no. Not really. <laughs> Alright, Misty, come on up. You've had your hand raised for a while. What's your question? Okay. So I got the amalgam, but I can't get any of the stuff for it. What do I have to do? 
You have to go to the systems in Romulan and Klingon space um, that are like just bordering uh, the neutral space areas, and you got to kill a bunch mm-hmm. of those traitors, those level thirty-one traitors, and you then you need about two million of that plot was called plundered cargo then you can refine that every three days and that's where you get your um parts to upgrade it and once you once you get enough plundered cargo you're going to do the refine on the exocomp and run that when you're grinding the the survey hostels. Correct. Yeah. Get it. Get, I think it's 500,000 or 100,000 or something for the exocomp. So get get as much as you can to get 100,000. Get that one exocomp and, and it's, it lasts about an hour and it's like 9,900% 9, increase in loot by using your amalgam to hit those little 31 traders. So. Park your base as close as you can to those systems and just for an hour, just just do that. Yeah, and you'll be good for like a month. What system is it? It's uh, it's the systems that do not negatively affect your rep. Yeah, it's like Rusrock, Quokur, Mokba, Embek, Hygar, Hrolug, and the, the Romulan ones. Okay, so the 44, the 42, the 40, the 38, the 36, the... 34. Yeah, I mean, just just look, just looking on those systems, and you've got they start at the twenty eight systems. So just look at them and see all the uh, traders, and those are the ones you need to kill. And I have to use the amalgam for that. Yeah. Yes. You got to kill enough to get enough plundered cargo to go to your refinery and refine the exocomp. And the exocomp you can only use on your amalgam. So you take your amalgam, hit them, come back, drop off the cargo. And use your max crew on your on your amalgam. You know, use your what is it, Bator five and cargo crew with Laon, Istan, Borgstan, etc. Yeah, and make sure you got Laon on your lower decks. Just just keep on hitting it for like an hour. You should get you know I have like thirty million plundered cargo, and you refine two million every every two or three days. So it'll you'll just load up on it. Occasionally, there's events for it. Yeah, yeah. Like the events, if you just do the events with the exocomp enough. I was like, "What am I supposed to do?" You know, I'm like, "This makes no sense." Yeah, I mean, there's probably a YouTube video or something. There probably is. I'm just too lazy to look at it right now. I'm not even gonna lie. That makes sense. Yeah, because I'm like, I need to get this amalgam up. But I'm like, I don't know how to do it. So that's why I was. Wanting to know. Sorry if I sound tired. I didn't sleep very well last night. How's everything going on server 34 for you, Tech? It's been looking up? On server 34? Um, I mean, I, I really haven't had any issues. Just do the events. I didn't think you would. I'm just saying. You, at one point in time, you were having issues. Oh, uh, I mean, this is... It's, it's fine now. Like... Not, I'm not in a group that, you know, exudes you know, toxicity. So, you know, everybody's pretty chill. There's no issues. Every once in a while, my isogen miner gets hit for, you know, whatever OPL cargo by somebody. But, oh no, I don't really have any issues. I just wish they'd fix the, the the mantis space so I could start hitting apexes again. Yeah. So I don't have to worry about. That would be really nice. 
like, oh my god, it's such a such a pain because like I depend on those apexes to fill up my cargo, so I don't have to sit there forever. Otherwise, I could I could see why people want to use bots in this game because it is so painful to sit there and grind the uh, regular hostiles. It's almost like they uh, purposely do that to keep you in game longer. Right, exactly. Just add this add this content that makes you have to sit there and just waste your time. Oh my god, yeah. Like uh, or like do all these events that require you to spend armada credits. And you're like, really? Again? Mm-hmm. Oh, so I have a comment about the Picard series. Sure, go for it. Okay, so if you pay attention to the chip that is the bad person, did you guys see who her father is? No. Chang. So in real life, her father played Chang in, what was it, TOS, one of the movies? That's her dad. And also, there is rumor that the Moriarty and her are the ones that were stuck in the cube. And Moriarty thought that he left the holodeck when he did it because Barkley found that holodeck program while he was doing some work on that episode. So the Steve Buscemi woman character is uh, General Chang's daughter? In real life. Real life. The actor that played General Chang, that's her dad. Oh, okay. Christopher Plummer, I think. Yep, because it's Amanda Plummer. Those two are related. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. And one of the fan theories is, is that Lore figures out where Moriarty is in the cube. And so all three of them plot to go after Picard because it gives you the hint from Deanna Troy that we're all being hunted. Because in the first episode between Moriarty and Data, Dr. Pulaski told Data to do something with the holodeck because we all know that Data was was able to outdo the holodeck. This was the only time that he couldn't. So we're all thinking that the chick is the countess that Moriarty had in the second time that we saw Moriarty. And so she is acting her revenge on Picard and everybody else along with Moriarty. That's, I will say, I still find that very boring. But that's just a fan theory that's been going around, which I'm like, okay. But I want to know how they're going to, high lore into this yeah still not excited still not i mean i mean i'm still gonna i'm still gonna watch it because you know they bring they they're bringing back all of the original characters right except wesley because also lavar burton's daughter is gonna be in picard as well oh, really now whatever they did to, to the prosthetics to everybody um that's in the original cast i mean from what i've seen they still all look really good Especially Michael Dorn, man. That guy, the guy looks like he doesn't age. But except for Brent Spiner, he, him and his <laughs> data and lore outfits. <laughs> oh, good, good God. <laughs> That's just, <laughs> I'm sorry. It's just too funny. I mean, comparing, I mean, it's hard to compare 1987 and 2022 with the same person. They look the same way. It. I get it. It's really hard, but you could have you could have at least had that guy that played the uh, disposable unit play 
play Data or Lore instead of Spiner and have Spiner just just play his, uh, you know, some characters that aged. But you have to remember, though, in an episode, Data even states that they were able to upgrade some of his, um, I can't think right now, to make him do where he could age if he wanted to or not. Yeah, but... Because I think that was, what, the last episode of TNG that was, like, the two-hour season finale because Q brings the card back to the past, present, and future. Right, but... And so they're jumping, like, three different... I, I get that. He can, he can add features that could change his appearance, but there's no way... <laughs> I'm, like, you know... The, the the way the human metabolism slows down and you you take on mass as you get as you get older you can't, you, can't, you can't say that's a feature you can upgrade on an android maybe you can you can no <laughs> this is true change the skin the guy's wrinkles or you know whatever right gray hair or something right cosmetic but you, you can't just say that. it's like oh we've upgraded his features and now he's three times the size that he was in 1987 you know well this is true but you know i think a lot of the fan base appreciated the better send-off for data than what they got with was it nemesis yeah. and then the way that they did the borgen season two of picard was I thought was really well done. Really? Because it, I did. And the reason why is because we've always seen the Borg as the bad guy from the moment that we met them. That's because they know? are the bad guy. But then with Girardi, you know, she's asking Picard for help because of what's going to happen. This, this is where I hate lazy writing like this, because when you do a time travel episode, as I mentioned before, there's two trains of thought. One, you create a completely alternate reality, and that's the reality you live by if you go back or forward in time. You know, it deals in deals with string theory. And the other train of thought is there's only one linear path of time, and whatever you do backwards and forwards is already being done. So you can't really disrupt the timeline based on the nature of of, of time travel. And so what they did in Picard season two. Is, is they just said, you know, screw time. It doesn't matter. Let's just screw everything. <laughs> you know? So from episode one, episode 10 or whatever, we had Rios in command of the Stargazer with Gerardi on board and the Borg Queen there. At the end, it's like, okay, Rios is in the past because we don't care. And he just magically disappears from the bridge. And the Stargazer is still there in the same location with everybody still on the bridge except for Gerardi because she's now the Borg Queen and Rios is gone and he's in the past. And it's just like nothing is solved and you're like, what happened to all those episodes of Voyager where Voyager was fighting the malicious Borg and now they're friendly Borg and they had touchy-feely because the Borg Queen downloaded herself into Gerardi via USB cord? Like none of that made any sense whatsoever. Fair enough. I like that. This is USB. <laughs> you know, but you have to think about it. Now, if we go to Discovery, everyone had a complete shit fit about the Klingons in season one of Discovery. They're like, that's not what the Klingons look like. Now, there's precedent for 
the Klingons changing with the forehead ridges in the movies. Well, yeah. Again, it wasn't that big a deal at the time, but with the Klingons now, they had they were trying to capitalize on the way that they um, made them aesthetically different in the movies, which is okay. But there, there is there was so much lore that was already expanded upon in terms of. Um, the augment virus and enterprise that kind of linked the original series with enterprise and then going forward at the the aesthetic change where first they were mentioned oh it's a diff it's a completely different race of klingons that were isolated and then and then the 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 forerunners were fired and then they knew they brought a new for uh showrunners and they're like no it's the same klingons everybody's like what you know what? F fair enough. I, I can't argue that. Even my husband and I were like, what? But what I did like is that they had the albino. And we only ever saw an albino Klingon in Deep Space Nine. Right, the one that Angkor and Koloth were after. Along with Dax, yeah. Right. So I want to say it was like Curzon Dax that helped them. It was, it was Curzon Dax who, who had the blood oath with the Klingons. And Jadzia decided to reaffirm it. Yeah. They, they hunted the albino together. Yeah. All right, guys. Um, if nobody's got anything else, let's hop into the after party and, and ramble some more. That'll work for everybody? Sounds good. Okay, perfect. Thanks, everybody, for, uh, for uh, talking and all your questions. We really appreciate it. Invite your friends. Invite your families. Bring them to our Discord. Get some player engagement. Get some more involvement. We love talking about nerd stuff like this and STFC. And as always, thanks for listening, and we'll see you guys next time.